0: is up rugby fans welcome back to another episode of the SAF pod i think we finally let the cuts heal from that all backs defeat just enough to review that game and also look to the game against argentina before then i'd like to bring in my friend keegan hall steaks how are we
1: i'm all good how's it guys welcome to the podcast happy to be here um as scott said the scars have somewhat healed. I'm actually up the West Coast at the moment, just filming some stuff for clients. So enjoying the little little get work getaway somewhat. Couple mates are on and stuff, but happy to be here and provide you guys with another podcast.
0: Yeah, man. Let's get into it now. <clears throat> I think we should just dive straight in. Just get this, get this out the way. That lost the all blacks. Disappointing, frustrating saddening you pick the 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 cinnamon synonym cinnamon adding spice to the podcast you pick the synonym for that performance Steaks. was it purely down to Russ? do we think do we just think that those players that got sent over by the block management squad hadn't played any minutes and did we maybe make a mistake in in not having a few of the more battle-hardened people on that pitch and and then having a, a couple of the, the guys who maybe haven't had the minutes come off the bench?
1: No, I don't, I don't think that's really the problem, man. I mean, at the end of the day, they've had an extremely long season. Yes, as much as it's not, um, you know, test games and stuff like that, they've had an extremely long season. These guys are prepped and geared and ready to go. I think if anything, you know, not sort of going back on the original plan just because we lost. Because at the end of the day, lots of people would say, oh, you know, sending these guys a, a week early or something is the great move if we ended up winning, you know. So I still back that idea. That idea was really good. But I mean, the the questions and the topics that we spoke about was these, in inverted commas, second string players are, have put in an incredible performance against Australia and we were more excited at the fact that it really could boost up these first string players to really outperform them. But at the end of the day, it's just sort of left us with a, with a lot more questions more than anything. And I think that's the, that's the result is I wouldn't say it's rust. I would say it's more just the fact that the guys just for whatever reason, just the intensity wasn't there. From, from the get-go and a team like New Zealand, you've got to absolutely jump on them. You know, you look at successes like Ireland going to New Zealand and beating them in a series. Those, Apart from the first game that went horribly wrong for them, the sec- the last two games that they played there was absolutely hammering from the get-go, scoring early tries and doing that. Springboks have struggled with chasing a game and we we need to lead. And that's what we're known for, is hammering these guys from the beginning. And they just... Didn't do that for whatever reason. And I think that's that that was the main part is just the lack of intensity in the beginning and a team like New Zealand. I mean, through I'd say like 75% of the game, it was bloody even, Stevens. Like there was nothing separating these two, except for the fact that every now and then you'd look up and be like, oh shit, it's actually 17 0 or it's 20 0 or something like that. You know, you'd forget about the scoreline for how well they were playing. But it's those first 10-15 minutes, man. We can't be so flat.
0: Now, what was interesting for me was the All Blacks almost beat us in our own game. The high balls weren't going to hand for us, and their ability to kick from hand was unreal. The likes of a Bowden Barrett at 15, and then a Richie Mwang at 10. I think it's it's a bit disappointing that that we maybe weren't as clinical as as we wanted to be, but Do we think this is then a concern going into the World Cup or do we think this is the lesson that we needed? Because we do struggle against or have historically over the last kind of two, three years, struggled against the bigger teams, the bigger names, the likes of an Ireland, a France and the All Blacks. We we just can't seem to close those games out or start well enough to to close those games out.
1: I think you take a look at performance like last year when we played them at home. And we absolutely dominated them uh, in in that first game against New Zealand. And it just boils down to the fact that New Zealand weren't doing too bad and we just absolutely hammered them. We wanted to prove a point. And if you look at a lot of the the headlines, a lot of what was coming out was, you know, New Zealand players saying, you know, how, how up they were for the test, how they know they're facing a fresh Springbok team. And that sort of narrative was just, you know, putting all this pressure and almost like this overconfidence for the Springboks being like, you know, we've got a fresh team. We are going to hammer them and everything. And I think, you know, just going based off previous World Cup performances, we've always gone in as underdogs when we've ended up winning it. And I think that's just simply a mindset thing when it comes to the Springboks is it's got to be a stuff you attitude. You know, you look at the British and Irish Lions tour. It was an absolute stuff you attitude. Like we need to hammer these guys the most recent game we played against England, you know, like we, we, we've had a point to prove in these games and we end up coming out almost like angry, you know, it's, it's, these players are angry. They're there to prove a point and, you know, put the middle finger up to these other teams and these critics and stuff. And I think it's just, it's just one thing, you know, getting your head in the game and just getting in that mindset. So I I don't know exactly who it is to sort of, I mean, it's it's not a, a really a fault. I mean, as, as a whole, the team didn't really perform well in those opening minutes and that, and even, even the closing ones, to be fair. And I think the, the the attitude just needs to be there and not sort of be overconfident.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a fair point in terms of the mindset thing. We, we are so used to being underdogs, but I, I just think we need to realize that we're number four in the world it's us it's ireland it's france and it's the all blacks and it's likely going to be one of those four teams that wins the world cup and we have to play at least two of those teams to win we have to play ireland in the group stages and we'll probably end up playing either the all blacks or france in the quarters unless there's a massive upset so i think it'll be interesting to see how that that all kind of plays out and My hope is that the Springboks have learned from the last game that we played and that we'll head into this next test with fresh perspective. Certainly one thing that we do have is quite a fresh and rejuvenated looking team in contrast to that last game. Looking to this week's game, that was apparently always the plan. Apparently it was always the plan to have Marnie Lubock at 10, have Grant Williams at 9, slot good old Kurtley Arendt on the wing. But do we actually think some players have just played their way into a spot or do we think some players have just played their way out of a space?
1: Yeah, I think I think not not necessarily all the players have played their way out of it. I mean, you've got a guy like Malcolm Marks coming on. He's an impact player. And as much as, you know, if Bongi is on form and he's really hammering it from the get-go, there's no better player, as we've said in the past, that, you know, you'd rather have a Marks come off the bench than a Bongi. But, there's no point having that, uh, that that transpire if we're down 17-0, you know. So I think that Malcolm Marx has absolutely played himself in the starting lineup. Um, you, you, you sort of look at a couple guys that you know is more or less sort of playing with the lineup, getting them some, some time to sort of see what they can showcase against a pretty hot uh, Argentina side at the moment, coming on a pretty intense win, coming off a pretty intense win against Australia away which was incredibly exciting. Um, so you have a couple of guys like that. You've got Marco van Staden, who had a balter against Australia coming in. I feel like he's pretty much played himself into that role. And then Dwayne Vermeulen. Dwayne Vermeulen leading, leading the charge, performing extremely well with that stuff you attitude that we talk about and bringing that experience. And, you know, with with Khaleesi beating out, you know, Ibn Itzabeth's a great leader, but... You know, you you you're sort of needy of an Elizabeth to, to not be a captain, to not be a leader and get in those little scuffles. You know, have that crazy Itzabeth that we love seeing on the screen because you know he's absolutely going out there to hammer these guys, you know. So you need someone like a Dwayne Fumiel and I reckon at the time being to captain this um, the Springbok side. And then obviously, I'm just going to go down the list, a combination of Grant Williams and Marnie Lubbock, which is a, a, a really good, interesting combination. You have Grant Williams coming in, bringing in that darty sort of flavor when it comes to to scrummy potential, you know, it brings a completely different game to Fuff de Klerk which at the moment, you know, I absolutely love Faf. I've always loved Faf, but he's he's sort of looking a little bit one-dimensional at the moment, you know, and bringing Marnie Libok in at, as well against Argentina, which will be a good contest, you know, sort of having more minutes playing in that, which would be quite interesting. Damien Dillandy, I think they're giving him another chance. You know, Andre Estesen's been was so hot against that Australian side. So I think Damien Dillandy being a solid player, you know, in the past, is, is he, he's been given another opportunity, in my opinion. And then you have a Locano, on, your arm, which will be the thirteen, but it's an interesting sort of trial run, I suppose, with like a JC Creel. And I think uh, Kurt Learons, uh coming in is absolutely warranted. I mean, he's absolutely fantastic. Cheslin Colby brings in that that exciting running rugby and that exciting pace. And then obviously, Billy LaRue, say what you want, but he's, he's not been too bad at the minute he had a good game against australia i think everyone had a pretty bang average game against new zealand um but yeah i think it's i think it's quite a quite an interesting lineup they've gone for and and it's a very mixed lineup in the sense of players obviously playing themselves into those roles some players getting another opportunity and some players just sort of figuring out maybe this is a combination that could work or just getting their minutes at the end of the day
0: What's what's quite interesting for me is they've not given Joseph Dweber a run as much as you you do need to to kind of give those two hookers time to to get back in and, and use the systems I I almost feel that Joseph Dweber should have should have been included even if it was from the bench I know we've got Argentina again next week out with the rugby champs but to be honest with you I would have started marks Mark last week and and started in this week uh, I'm now a firm believer that Malcolm Mark should be on the field for at least 60 minutes because he's got a massive engine. He's a great scrummer and he's a great poacher of the ball. And I think we're a different team when he's off the field. But that might just be that might just be me. And then I think the Andre and one's another another interesting one. I can't, to be honest with you, they will not take Damien Willemser, Damian D'Alendi, Lucanya Am, Andre Pollard and Andrea Stazen to the World Cup. There's too many centre options there. And one thing I would say is there's too many inside centre options there because you've got Andre, you've got Damian Volemsa and Damian dlnd who can, all three of those boys can can play inside centre where really your only specialist outside centres are Jesse Creel and lucan yam it, it's, it's a straight shootout here between Damian Dielendi and Andrea Stazen. And I think of Damian dlnd as as average a game this week as he did last week, and Estes and comes in next week and plays plays like he did and knocks the knocks the door down, then I think Damian Delandy might be in trouble.
1: Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with you on the Joseph Weber comments as well, man. I think you know, especially the way he's been performing for the Stormers, I think he, he at least deserves a run at uh, a very strong Argentina side at the moment, uh, even if it's just coming off the bench. And you, you're exactly right with that Damien Dirlandic comment. That's exactly why I say I think this is a, a second chance for him, you know, hoping that it wasn't a fluke against the, the New Zealand side. Obviously, an Argentina side coming off the win that they've they've done is a really good point to prove. But it's, it's going to be interesting because if he can't perform against Argentina and he's looking a bit flat and not bringing that flair, not bringing that running rugby and that complete game like he has in the past with his kicking you know his grubbering and everything like that he's brought a complete game into the into into the Springbok setup and obviously he's not too far from from our neck of the woods being from Milnerton, you know and us being from Tableview you know I've always enjoyed Damien Dillindy but at the end of the day the Springboks, you know, don't, don't, uh, they're not going to play j- just for favoritism or because you're a favorite and that, you know, if someone's really putting their hand up and they're knocking at the door, looking at a Curtly Aron, so especially as, as an example, it's, it's the, the options is there and Grant Williams potentially taking his opportunity. You know, it's, we, we could be in for seeing a couple of changes before the World Cup if, if these games go as well as it did for these players in the Australia game, and if they go as bad as it did against for these other players in the New Zealand game, there could be a little bit of shift in the tide. you know. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch. At the end of the day, as much as we want to win these tournaments, as much as we want to win these games, I'm very eager to see... I am actually very eager to see a few uh, new faces that are going to bring something slightly different that we are not caught out with our pants uh, around our ankles, and you know it's just the same rugby we played in 2019. It will be nice to see some some interesting flair come to the party and something different.
0: I think there has been a variation in our game this year. There's there's it's there's there's definitely a variation there in terms of the way that we're playing. I just think it'll be very interesting because Springbok coaches historically over the last probably the last seven years have not been very good at giving that many younger players or that many newer players a chance. I think Herschel Yankees might be the main one that springs to mind during the 2019 World Cup cycle, but there weren't that many others. So it be interesting to see what happens because they've got their, their tried and tested. One interesting conundrum I've got at the moment is Andre Pollard's are starting 10 as it stands. Andre Pollard's bet they probably start him because he's got the complete game. Do you think they should just continue with either one of... Lubbock or Damian Willemster at 10 because, and the main reason I this, Damian Willemster has played one game at 10 this year. The only game he's played at 10 this year was for the box against the all Blacks. That has been it. He's had no time in the saddle. He's not been used to it. It's very different, as you'll know, playing 12 versus 10 because at 10, you've got very little time on the ball and suddenly with 15 and 10. So do you think if the plan is to have damian williams as the second second option after Andre pollard they should just stick with him there or do you think the chopping on the changing will be a good thing
1: very good question man and I, I i honestly think that you know it's ah uh, i mean you've, you you you've got to give damian minutes at 10 but at the end of the day if he hasn't been playing there that all that much and you've got a guy that is hot at 10, you know, probably one of the best URC players um, for the past two seasons when it comes to 10s. I mean, he's proven himself on an international level in terms of club rugby. I would reckon it is more likely to to build if, if, if you're talking about a space of four games you know, that that you've got to get this guy prepped for the 10 jersey in test rugby. I feel like you've got a much better chance getting Marnie Lubbock tested and ready for these high-pressure moments than you do a Damien Willemser, who has not been... And I absolutely love Damien Willemser. He's an absolute champion. He's a brilliant player. But if I'm just really thinking with my brain, you've got a better chance of having Marnie Lubbock World Cup ready at 10 and being able to play that game... That is slightly different to Andre Pollard. You know, you you you're gonna have a, a Damian Willemser that might be a little bit one-dimensional in the sense of, you know, he's just gonna try and do his job. I feel like he has way more flair um, at twelve or fifteen than he would at, at at a ten. But then you have a Andre Pollard who's an absolute machine. You know, I'd like to think of him as as the as the Terminator. And then you have Amani Libak, who's the artist, you know, coming off the off the bench or something like that. Obviously, that leaves a hole in our, in our armor, a kink in our armor when it comes to that 6-2 split. You know, having those sort of um, players coming off the bench that are utility backs that can just slip in anywhere. You know, having a 9, pretty much a specialist 10, and then the rest of the back lines a little bit dodgy in that sense. You know, shifting around a few players if there's injuries. So it, it just depends on which way they want to go. But I think just in terms of kicking as well, kicking's important, man. Kickings wins us games. You know, we, we have that really, really strong, impactful rugby. We can cause teams to have ill discipline and we need to have the kicker that can back them. You know, we did so well in 2019 when Andre Pollard's kicking boot was on form. Let's hope it's on form for this World Cup. And to have a Marnie Libak, if worse comes to worse, being able to really perform then, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we could always put Damien Willemster on the be, um, Damian, yeah, Damian on the bench as a standard and just have Marnie Lubbock lurking in the background, you know, maybe one or two easier games, get him those test minutes in the World Cup. And then if, you know, God forbid, something happens to Andre Pollard, he is ready to slot in and perform so we can keep that 6-2 split. I think that's probably more the direction they'd go. But for my personal opinion, you've got to get um, Marnie Libak in as much as possible before this before this World Cup. Because as much as he might not be on the bench, he is an integral part to this team. If Andre Pollard unfortunately has to get injured or get a niggle or something like that, he needs to be able to come in and, and absolutely shine.
0: I think I'm not a springboard coach and there's a reason for that. But if I was to, to, to think about it, I'd quite like to see Andre at ten, then having Damien Willemster at fifteen, and then having Moni Lubok ready to come off the bench, because then you've got so much versatility there in terms of if a um Damien Dialindi or Andre stays and gets injured, you just pop Andre across if. Damian Vilamsa gets injured, then you've got the option of just dropping Andre or Marnie Lubbock to fifteen, or moving Ches and Colby across to fifteen. So there's just so much versatility there, um, and I'd, I'd quite like to see that because, unfortunately for Villie Larue, the only position he can really play is fifteen, and he's not. It's a very similar story to Andre Hazen. He's only really a twelve. He's a specialist twelve. Billy Larue is a specialist fifteen, so that might not count in his favour in terms of if if the the, the coach is making a decision, but I think they're going to stick with Lily at 15, as you said, and, and just leave Molly LeBoc to do his thing and, and pop in every now and again. The other thing that I wanted to pick your brain on, Steaks, was talking about that outside centre, but you've obviously got Jesse Creel starting this week. Is 13 a concern? Because lacanio arm is head and shoulders above any other 13 in this country. So where where do we look to once Lacanio retires? Because at the moment, it's not looking that good.
1: No, absolutely not. And I, I would say that, obviously, Lacanio Arm, um, you know, you he would he would be probably first choice for probably maybe not, you know, there's not another player that comes to mind that you would definitely go for them over Lacanio Arm, um, you know. But he, he is very fortunate in the sense that we are shit out of luck when it comes to 13s. There's absolutely, you know, you know, sp- speaking about it, thinking of like a Conrad Smith or something like that, you know, at uh, at thirteen, he was just an absolute machine, you know, and all those sort of um, the 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 depth they had, you know, Lukanyu Am, I'd say, is very fortunate that we don't have a lot of thirteens, and there there isn't at the moment any crazy amounts of thirteens that can come in and have the absolute brain that Lukanyu Am has. When it comes to that position, you know, just not even in the sense of what he does with the ball, but what he does off the ball, how he structures everyone, how he sees the space, how he sees where that player is going to go to get these players to go around and go into this other space and look for that space, seeing these opportunities, almost like the Lionel Messi of the thirteen position when it comes to when it comes to rugby, and I, I just don't see Jesse Creel coming in and making as massive of, of, of an impact say or lanya um decides to retire so it's it's going to be very interesting we've obviously been very blessed with certain positions in terms of depth but yeah it's there's there's got to be a few 13s that are going to really stick their hand up and and really really shine when it comes to the future
0: yeah exactly that and i think what you say there is is quite interesting because jesse creel is only 29 and Lakanya arms only 29. So they're the same age.
1: I'm, I'm, I apologize for not doing my research on Lacanyo I'm a little bit further. There's no ways he's 29.
0: He's 29, man. He is 29, believe it or not. I mean, the boys, he's a bit like me. He's had a hard paper run, but he is, <laughs> he is 29. So, I mean, Lacanyo might be around for the next World Cup, man. Like,
1: yeah, I'm fine with that, mate. I'm fine with that. We got. Four to six years before this guy retires then and i'm a-okay with him just building this experience and hey let's let's try and see someone because at the end of the day you don't necessarily want you know say in my mind thinking like on your arms bloody 33 meanwhile he's a spring chicken you know you don't want someone coming in just because the guys retired you want after this world cup say You know, if God decides to bless us with another World Cup victory, you do not want you know this guy to experience a potential third world cup win you want to stand up and you want to fight for this position against the guy who's absolutely dominated in it in springbok rugby and that's going to cause a lot of these 13s to really start pushing pushing you don't want him to retire all of a sudden this jersey's left open and then we get a lot of mediocre players sort of trying to fill in this position and trying to figure out a good combination you know so I think that's great. To to my knowledge, I hope there's a lot of rugby fans out there that's just been educated on Arms age. But I think that's I think that's great. Moving, moving there's there's a silver lining in it moving forward that Arms, you know if all goes well in his career and he doesn't get too banged up or injured or anything like that, that we can try and really start seeing some players put their hands up. And I think the fact that these Springbok players, uh, these, these Springbok uh, coaches, excuse me, are starting to put these players in, as you said before, they weren't really so likely to do it is really eye opening for a lot of these younger players or these fringe players that are performing well at a Kyrie cup level that are performing well at a URC and Heineken cup level that are saying hey well if they're giving that guy an opportunity i just need to work really hard and have one good season and all of a sudden my name's thrown in the mix because there are these opportunities that the, that the coaches are giving especially after this year being the first year after world cup so no COVID year, we will be playing international rugby hopefully um and yeah so it's going to be very interesting moving forward
0: we're going to lose steegs for a bit but not to worry he'll be back with his wonderful insight on rugby players ages and various tactics etc in just a second we're stoked to be joined by springbok seven star nagato blue angels player crossfit athlete 2022 springbok player of the year nadine russ it's it's quite the resume nadine how are you
2: i'm good thank you scott uh <laughs>
0: I've just mentioned it there. You've obviously been in, in Japan for, for kind of the last six months or so. You you signed a six-month contract with the Blue Angels last year. You were the first South African woman to do so. You guys went 24 games undefeated, winning four championships. What was life like in Japan and what did you enjoy most about being over there?
2: Life in Japan was, you know, it looked a little bit different as it is a different culture. Uh, you know, you're surrounded with a whole different kind of atmosphere, environment, you know, that you're used to in in South Africa. And also, like, you're not only surrounded with Japanese people, but also there was a few other foreigners also in the team. So that was also, like, you know, experiencing the culture they have and, you know, the way they are as people. But life in general, you know, eating style, I try to stick to to what I know. The environment or the city that I was in, uh, it's quite a there's a lot of old people in the town and, um, you know, they move quite slower in, in a way that they drive slower. You know, they kind of, they're respectful towards the environment. They, in, they obey the laws, (laughs) which is, you know, it's, they don't skip a red light, which is quite a, you know, also adjustment to see how people like that can be so respectful and obedient towards the, the, you know, the country's law. And, um, yeah, that was, that was quite good to see um, and to experience it. It's also quite, it was inter- interesting to see that they don't hoot at all. When you hear someone hoot, you're like, oh, what did you do wrong? <laughs> so it, it's not something, you know, it's not a regular thing that you will hear when you drive around. The environment was really nice to see. The nature is beautiful. Like everywhere you look, it's it's green and, and quite like, Quite like a healthy, you know, living style, if you can say it that way. Yeah, I think the city itself or the little town, you know, if you if you are there to only focus on rugby, it's a good place and environment to be in because there's not a lot of distractions. The club itself is it's situated situated in a in a good place, you know, good training facilities and access to everything you will basically need as an athlete. We also the the pool pool where we could go to there's a sauna there's you know the pool facilities that you can make use of when you want to do recovery and um Japan is obviously known for the onsens as well where you can go to you know so so for as a professional athlete that was just a good environment you know to be in and then the the people you surrounded with as well you know they everyone kind of with the same mindset, I think the club is quite successful in, you know, creating that winning culture. Um, I think that's why they, they got the foreigners in this year that, you know, that they wanted because at the end of the day, the goal for the team was to be the most successful team this year in, in the season. So in general with the lifestyle that, that fits into the way, you know, I work with in, in South Africa as well. Like, you know, everything you want, you you strive towards as an athlete is is to be successful. So that just basically sums up how the the living style was there. Um, the apartment we also stayed in was, was quite nice. All the basics, you know, that you need almost like a kind of a big apartment for one person, you know, the Japanese room, uh, two living rooms, and then you have your bedroom, you know, a kitchen and a, a bathroom. So, you know, just painting that picture it's, it's it's enough for for you to stay in six months um you know being away from home creating a, a place that you can call home so it was quite a special season uh over in japan
0: that sounds awesome and question for me i know you were you were studying japanese before you went over what's your what's your japanese like did it get any better and, and are you fluent yet
2: trying uh obviously been there last year with the 15s without this series against Japan and and I always think you know Japanese is one of the most difficult languages you know to speak and especially the the way they write uh, with the you know the characters they have so it's quite difficult You, you can't even you don't even see words or anything so it's quite interesting. I've also I did some Japanese classes in in Japan and you know, it, it's a different way. They have a whole different way of actually speaking. So for me, that was very interesting. And just to speak ba- like the basic Japanese, because again, the town you know that I was in, it's kind of, it's the area where it is, it's like nine hour drive from Tokyo. So, you know, when you're in Tokyo, you might bump into someone that can actually uh, talk fluently English. Um, whereas in Nagato, it's it's quite a small town. Most of the Japanese people, like I said, um, is old people. So a lot of them can't speak English. So when you get into a restaurant to you know to order food or you want to order coffee, um, it's quite difficult because they don't understand English. So and then you also try to pronounce it the way that if they would pronounce it in English, how it will sound to them. Um, so that was a, a good thing to adapt with. You know, like adapting to the way they, you know, how they do things and and stuff. And but yeah, like back to the Japanese, went for Japanese classes. I'm actually still busy, you know, continuing learning Japanese on the Duolingo app because on the World Series, I will meet the the people that you know played with me in the club, and it will just be special, you know, to to be able to speak with them in in Japanese and maybe they'll respond better back in English to me uh, because I know they're also learning English. That's just also special, you know, with the people you're surrounded with is that there's like a two-way stream, you know, you try to, you know, learn their language and they try to learn English to, you know, to communicate better with you as well.
0: Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. And you're obviously now back in South Africa for, for training, et cetera. We, we spoke about it off air, but you're you're obviously back to, you're, you're not going back to Japan. Is your plan to, to kind of stay with the, the Sevens team during the, the domestic season? Or are you thinking of signing for one of the, the local Fifteens clubs?
2: Yeah, I think at the moment, the Fifteens clubs are kind of, I think they still have August and September, you know, to play the domestic competition. But I think for me, around where I'm at now, my main focus is Sevens um you know like i mentioned earlier uh we have the olympic qualifiers coming up in october then december the, the world series starts and it's you know it's quite an action-packed season in terms of the world series and then it's olympics next year and i think like you know focus on one thing and be perfect in in one thing uh you know and control one thing that you know that's in your control so for me that's my focus at, at the moment is Focusing on sevens because there's some goals I want want to reach in in sevens. So yeah.
0: Looking to, to to kind of the rest of the year, as we've touched on there. I'm personally hoping and assuming that you'll you'll be playing in the the, the World Fifteen Series, which which is going to be happening in Cape Town. Are you excited to get back into that setup? Have been having been away from home, and have you missed being at home?
2: Yeah, I've definitely missed home. You know, there's nothing like home your own food. <laughs> I, I, I still believe our country has the, has the best food, you know, like a braai broiki and braai uh, flacy. Um, there's just something different to to our meat. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it's special being back home. It's special to be surrounded, you know, with the people that you also your whole life, you know, have been working hard with. So for me, it's, it's special being back home. Uh, it's just something different. It's good to speak Afrikaans again. My English is good, but it's not great. So, yeah, for me, being back home is good. With the World 15s, you know, coming up in October, it just shows also, you know, how World Rugby wants to develop the, the women's game. And, and I think it's, it's good bringing it to South Africa, you know, as one of our team goals is to inspire the younger generation. But the only way to inspire them is bringing rugby, you know, to your country and and you know playing in Cape Town, it will just give it more exposure to to the younger, younger girls out there, you know, for them to come and watch and and see what it's all about. And, and that's also something special, you know, being back, back home. If I'm gonna be part of it, I'm not sure yet, as it as it's overflowing with with the Olympic qualifiers. And I think just in terms of if I have to look at last year, you know it, it was it, it was a big season in terms of playing 15s and 7s doing both world cups the preparation for for the 15s world cup and then going straight into the 7s you know for the 7s world cup if i have to look at my game time i almost played only full games and then if you have to look at it in a long term you know the longevity of your career it's always a massive positive you know getting so much game time because that's what we in the end, one once as athlete, And that's the only way that you can get better. Like you can train, but game time is, is the ultimate time that you can get. And, you know, the more you play, the more experience you gain. So we'll see what happens in October. But I think in terms of, I can only do what I can do. Um, and the rest is in the coaches hands. Like, you know, the plans they have, they also work well together, you know, in terms of what they would want Out of the whole competitions so that's still something that you know we will discuss uh but like i said sevens at at this moment is is my main focus so so yeah i hope it answers the question
0: oh no it absolutely does and i know you said that your english isn't great but that's a lie your english is is definitely a lot better than my afrikaans so (laughs) there we go some people won't know your story and and kind of your upbringing etc which you've been really open and honest about on on various interviews kind of things that I've read for those who don't know who is Omasari and why did she have such a big influence on you when you were growing up
2: so Omasari is my grandmother my mother's mom so yeah she basically just you know took me into her house and took me under her guardian you know when my mother had her stuff going on in in her life and which she prioritized, you know, above me. And I think, you know, like the way my grandmother raised me was she took me in, didn't have a lot of money, you know, so she, she had to go a long way, you know, to raise another child on her old age, which is quite special, you know, like I am today where I am because of her and I will forever be grateful, you know, for her. You know, making a sacrifice like that. You know, raising your your grandchild. I don't think it's an easy job. You know, so, and also raising me with with what she had, and also, you know, she she in her own way she teached me a lot of things, um, values in life that shaped me as a person. Circumstances also shape you as a person, and it's up to you what you want to do. You know, uh, with your circumstances, and I think like you know, like almost like man up, you know, like do what you can and, you know, be someone, you know, that can stand on their own feet. And when they have to do something, just do something and money doesn't define your success. It's it's what you do, you know, to become something that will define your, your success. And, and that comes down to hard work, you know, that, that she teached me to do my whole life.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fascinating. i my personally, my favorite athletes are the ones that can acknowledge the people that have helped them along the way, but also the, the circumstances that they came through. I think the whole victim versus Victor when it comes to your circumstances is really, really important. Now, when you were younger, I believe you were, you were quite the athlete and you had your pick of, of kind of sports growing up. What made you fall in love with rugby specifically and what kind of drew you into to playing the sport?
2: Yeah, I think, you know. Growing up on the farm where we used to stay, playing with the boys, like all, all kind of sports, you know, we played cricket, baseball, we ran against each other and, you know, they couldn't believe that I was faster that, than them. So they were always trying to prove a point, you know, and, and that's also just growing up in a, in a rugby house, like it was always open to, to watch rugby and, you know, going over um, on the farm you know, to the other people's house, watching rugby, you know, supporting the Springboks, supporting the Blue Bulls. It just, just growing up in a sporting environment like that, uh, it, it just gives you that exposure. So for me, when I was younger, I, like my grandmother allowed me to participate in sports. And when I got to high school, it, you know, it obviously changed a bit because of academics. You know, you have a more full time in that. And mostly that's the priority of the school is is your academics and then also there was more money involved in you know doing the sports because you had to go away a lot and and stuff so then you kind of have to choose the sports you want to do but I think I was still fortunate enough to do athletics to play netball to do cross country to play cricket and still have access you know to all those kind of things, but also people who supported me throughout, you know, my high school career. You know, when myself and my grandmother was was very, you know, grateful for for people who was willing to help us, you know, that knew the circumstances. So, yeah, for me, basically, rugby was just part of, you know, growing up, and never did I think of ever playing. And, you know, for the Springboks, women's rugby, I don't even know there was women's rugby in, in South Africa. So I only found out of women's rugby when, when I got to university. And, you know, I think like I'm a Christian and, and I'm a firm believer. And I believe that one door, like God closed one door for me and, and opened another one. And that was rugby. Uh, And... You know like even it just shows you like even though you might have your own dreams and and your goals in life but still there you know there was a pathway of still being able to represent your country on the highest level and for me as a little girl you know for me it didn't matter in which sport code i might do it but it that dream was the biggest dream was to represent my country in a sports and I hoped it would have been athletics, but, you know, it it changed and God's plan changed for me to be rugby. And, yeah, look where it brought me now. So, you know, grateful in that way that, you know, God's plan, you know, just shows in my life in the pathway that he created brought me also to, to where I am today.
0: You've touched on something quite nicely there, which... We actually spoke about with Libby janssen Rensburg who you've obviously played with before. To my knowledge, it's quite difficult for young girls in grade one or grade two to play rugby because it's not a widely available sport at, at that age, specifically for girls. Most of the time, it's your, your netballs or your hockeys or, or whatever it might be. Do you think that that's one of the biggest limiting factors or possibly even the biggest barrier for young girls trying to get into rugby?
2: Yes, I I definitely think in South Africa it is because if I have to think when you're young, you can play with boys and, you know, for some girls who might not have a brother or a cousin or, you know, those type of friends that you can just go and play rugby with, they don't get that exposure. So, and there might definitely be girls like I know in primary school, there was billigy rugby where I was fortunate enough also, you know, to be part of I had one other friend also who, you know, who played with me, but, and it was only the two girls of us, but then you get some girls who ask these questions and we're like, you're still too young to be actually be able to go and play at the club because that's just the regulations, you know, of world rugby and, and SA rugby that when you're not over 18, you can't play in these type of competitions. So I think, you know, for young girls and especially to develop women's rugby. And I think all over the world, you know, we must start looking at implementing, even if it's touch rugby, um, just to get, you know, get the feeling of the basic skills required to play rugby. It doesn't necessarily have to be contact, you know, until they get to university, but to get the techniques on an early age into kind of, you know, the system and get the feel of it the same way as boys do so i guess it has a, like the pros and cons of it you know like the con of it might be the longevity of the women's career might be then shorter you know if they start playing it at the younger age but then and the other con of it is like they don't or the pro of it is that they develop the skills on an early age, which is what you want because you don't want players to come into the national setup and only now learn how to pass. You know, like just the development of a child, it plays part of, of those type of things. So if, if you have to dig deeper into it, then you would find the psychological part of it, why it will benefit, you know, women, especially women's rugby. The standard of the game will... Obviously, lift, you know, and and if you have to compare our women's rugby or SA women's rugby, you know, compared to Australia women's rugby, I mean, they are so more advanced than us just by looking how they play with their skill, you know, and and for us to meet that, we need to start somewhere. I mean, the touch league is quite big in in Australia, so they have all these, these things in place where they have background in. And then, if you look at us, I know I know there's touch rugby um, because I know Libby also, you know, played touch rugby. But the question is, is it enough for the development of of women rugby? And you know, for us, we want girls in high school, maybe, you know, to start playing playing rugby, even if it's touch or tag, like I said again, without contact, because I know there's is- issues around, you know, the the growth of of even young boys and the impact it has on, on the brain, you know, when they get concussions and stuff. So for women, I, I believe, you know, it can start in high school already with, with touch, uh, touch or tag rugby. So,
0: yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. and Certainly something that needs to to start happening for, for the growth of the game. The women's game is growing at a great speed at the moment in terms of the exposure and, and it's not where it needs to be, but by any means, the reality is what's most important is equality and women supporting each other, but men also getting involved in, in the women's game and, and supporting the women's teams. What would your message be to those people who are maybe only watching the men's game at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think for me, you know, even watching the the soccer World Cup now, I think New Zealand had with the New Zealand women's game another record 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 with with a stadium you know 42 two thousand people uh watching the game and, and it just shows that in general women's sport is growing and i believe that people shouldn't put a label you know on on women or or the brand of of rugby if if i can say it in that way i think if people come out and just actually watch the women's game like they would watch the men's game they will see something different and special in women because women just bring something different than what men would bring. And I, and I think if, think if people invest the time in women's, in women's sports in general, they will see, they will see the same way as we see it, you know? So, so for those people we never invested that time in, in watching women in sports. Maybe do yourself a favor and if there's a women's soccer game on or if there's a women's rugby game on. Do yourself a favor and, and watch it. You know, they will like I said, they will see something different and and it's just something special as to to what men bring. So for me that's that's very simple and, and it's it's quite a difficult thing to you know to encourage people you know, to watch those type of things because I think perspective is everything. Uh, some people might like it, some people might not like it, but it, it also just comes down to a respect thing. You know, know that women put their body through the same things as men do, you know, to get the same result and to be just as successful as the men is. So for me, that's that's the simplest way, you know, that I can put it out there for people and, and, you know, for the public to view.
0: It is just genuinely a case of getting eyes eyes on the games and, and really encouraging people to do that. Now, I'm always fascinated by what professional athletes would maybe do differently or what advice they'd give their younger selves. So what would your advice be to a young Nadine Russ or any young players wanting to become professional sports people?
2: For me, it's, it's quite difficult because i don't think i would do something differently you know that i had done in the past i've always been someone you know who paid close attention to what i do um you know living a healthy lifestyle being fit being addicted to run addicted to being in the gym and you know being mindful to what i put into my body maybe doing recovery stuff earlier on in my life not that i've neglected it but just my knowledge around it you know it's only later on in in my sporting career that that i've noticed that okay like you know this is what i can do better to to recover better for the next day so and just learning the the body mechanics you know what works for your body specifically might not work for, for someone else's body. So in terms of that, you know, like, even if you don't don't wanna go far in sport, just, just try to live a healthy lifestyle. And it, it doesn't mean that you need to eat right, or, you know, you can't have a cheat meal when you feel like it. I think your body speaks to you. So listen to what your body says, because it's a special type of creature thing. Um, you know that you're blessed with and you only have one body so m- make it a good a good body while you live so you know maybe that's the type of advice you know i would give someone and i would give my younger self but like i said i i don't think i i would change anything you know to to the little Nadine whereas if i you know if i have to look looking at that way
0: yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I, re- I wish it's advice somebody had given to me when I was in my teens. Just <laughs> recovery, stretching, that kind of thing because I was I was always the guy that would go into the gym and I'd go, right, what's my workout? And I would always go, well... My warm-up's just the lighter weights and then getting into the heavier weights. And <laughs> trust me now, I'm regretting it. Um, I'm in my 20s and my back hurts and that's not okay. Now, Nadine, you're 27 and we may still see you for quite a few World Cups, some some Olympic Games, maybe two Olympic Games before you retire. <laughs> Have you thought about life after rugby? And do you think that you might become a coach, a ref? W- where's your mind at in terms of... Because you're you're clearly a student of the game and a dedicated athlete. So I suspect you'll probably want to be involved in some way, shape or form.
2: Yes, I think, you know, giving back the knowledge that I gained over the years in my career, it's definitely something that I, I would want to give back. I am currently studying strength and conditioning as well. So I think going into coaching is definitely something that I would do. Um, I definitely, you know... Also something in, in CrossFit, what I've learned in, in my CrossFit career as well is that I enjoy helping the people around me. You know, when I see they might struggle with with a certain movement, I'm always like eager to go over and to tell them maybe try this or, you know, try look at this. So that's definitely something that's within me and it's passion for the sport passion to help people and and see people living a healthy lifestyle, you know, in their own unique way, uh, not the same way as how I would, you know, live. So I think that's just, you know, something that's genetically within me um, in doing it in that way. And and that's definitely something, you know, that I would want to give back after my career and, and definitely maybe look at, look at maybe starting a, a rugby academy that, that looks into developing skills with, with younger girls. It can also be boys, but I think the main focus will be the the girls. So that's definitely something that I would want want to give back and something that I, I'm looking into, you know, after, after my rugby career.
0: That's really interesting, especially the, the CrossFit side of things because I think a lot of people know that you're, you're a rugby player, but they don't necessarily know that you're also a CrossFit athlete. And then you're studying strength and conditioning and you're studying Japanese. I'm not quite sure when you you get time to sleep. But in terms of kind of how we we like to end the podcast, we always like to to end on a bit of a quick fire round. Best player you've played with or played against?
2: Against, definitely, man, there's a lot. (laughs) But against... Must be Stacey Walker,
0: right? And then maybe somebody you played with is there. There a player that that stands out for you?
2: Played with Moffat and Simmers.
0: Nice. Crossfit or rugby?
2: Oh no, <laughs> uh, both.
0: <laughs> both. And then, what's the best game game of your career? What's the game that really stands out for you?
2: the New Zealand game that we played in Cape Town or against New Zealand, Cape Town, 2019.
0: Do you have any pre match rituals?
2: Yes, I I'm kind of a routine person when you know when it comes to game day. So I'm I'm basically I stick to to my routine. Yeah, like do my activation quite. You know, blowout this is something that I will definitely do before the game
0: all this stuff now nadine thanks for being such a great guest and so willing to share your story and, and give us some insight into to your career at the moment good luck on the international stage this year whether that's sevens or 15s can't wait to see you tear it up and and playing in the green and gold again
2: thank you scott for having me um on your podcast
0: that interview with nadine russ very very interesting for me and lot of insight into the women's game there, and hopefully a couple of people have, have learned some stuff from that. But looking ahead to this weekend, Stiegs, I think I know where you're going to go for both of these games. It's quite easy when it's the rugby championship because usually it's us, and then if it's the All Blacks playing the other team, it's always the All Blacks. And then if it's Argentina v. Oz, you're usually going to go Argentina because you hate the Aussies. So there we go. Right, so Australia. Hey, heaven,
1: heaven forbid any Aussie players listen to this podcast, and you know we eventually get someone like that on. But
0: it's okay. Heaven forbid we get any Irish players onto this podcast, because I'd be fucked.
1: Oh my gosh, dude! Just wait for that intro. I'm changing the name from Saffa Pod <laughs> Fuck. I don't even know, mate. No, I'm joking. Never. So Australia and the All Blacks. I think. I think all blacks hammer them man i think they hammer them they are i just don't see australia really pulling themselves towards themselves for this weekend and i think new zealand are just so hot at the moment and it's it's actually pretty scary it's scary that you know after the last season or two they've had they're actually looking pretty damn scary at the minute and as much as everyone's been saying you know france ireland and you know the lack of people saying Springboks, i think new zealand's just really looking scary at the moment and they really want that fourth world cup so i think they come out firing and they they i i think they win by by 20 points against us i'm gonna say australia by two wow what a contradiction <laughs>
0: i'm really hoping that comes true because there's no chance that that's coming true i've just done that shits and giggles and also because my uncle and my cousin are both aussies and i think they do listen to this so shout out to them and... Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! hey 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 no we're not doing that here box v argentina
1: um i think it's going to be interesting man i don't you know what with this with this lineup a good start home game, I think we beat Argentina by 15 points. We got, we got a point to prove and, you know, realistically maybe in the past, you know, we've lost to Argentina at home with a real dodgy setup and, and a situation that wasn't looking pretty for the box. I think, you know, last, last game was just down to a poor performance. Something just wasn't quite there. But the fact that we were able to perform so well against Australia just shows that it is there, just it was more than likely, honestly, just one bad day, one off day. So I think Springboks are are, are winning the game by at least 15 points.
0: I really hope so, because it would suck if that is a sign of things to come. But yeah, I reckon, I don't know if it'll quite be 15 I think it might be closer to like a nine to 11 point game. I think, you know what? Actually, I think it'll either be a a quite a close game, like a a closer than expected game or a complete blowout, just based on Argentina's performance from two weeks ago. Wow.
1: You really narrowed the the options there, Scott.
0: So nine to 11 or like 30. Or a (laughs) blowout
1: game. (laughs) What what do we think blowout is? 20 points? Yeah, I think 20 points is blowout. It'll be
0: nine to 11. Or twenty points, twenty plus.
1: I'm I'm going to say 50. i I'm going to say fifteen.
0: If it's you know what, the All Blacks going to win this weekend, and the Box is going to win by fifteen, and I'm going to look like an absolute tube. But there we go.
1: I'm going to go stop betting next weekend. <laughs> the
0: best. Right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Go check out the socials and give us a follow. We'll be back next week to review the last week of the rugby champs but also look ahead to the world cup warm-ups where the box will be playing argentina in argentina should be should be a good one but there we go we will see you then